0: Welcome to, wait, how do you spell that? A rare disease podcast. My name is Colby, and I'm the content manager here at Patient Worthy. Today, I'm happy to say that we're joined once again by our friends over at the Every Life Foundation for Rare Diseases. For those who may not be familiar, Every Life is a nonprofit dedicated to empowering the rare disease community in the areas of legislation and advocacy. And today, we're going to be discussing the Rare Is Scholarship Fund, which is set up to help adults living with rare conditions in their educational pursuits. We actually had an episode about the launch of this scholarship back in 2020, so I'm excited that we're able to get a follow-up today. And joining me are two special guests. Lindsay Kundiff is the Associate Director of Patient Engagement at the Every Life Foundation, and Veronica Tingzon is one of the recipients of the 2020 Rare Is Scholarship. Lindsay, Veronica, welcome to the show.
1: Hi! Holy hi. Thank you for having us.
0: Thank you for coming on. We're happy to have you too. Uh, Now, one of the reasons I'm excited to have this discussion today is because applications for the next round of funding actually just opened. Uh, So, Lindsay, to start with, could you kind of give us an overview of the RARIS scholarship?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And um, thank you again for having us. It's always such a pleasure to be on this podcast. So I'm so excited to be here and talk about (laughs) Where Is, um, one of my favorite programs at Every Life. So, Where Is Scholarship um, started a year ago. We have funding for the next four years, thanks to our friends at Horizon Therapeutics, um, who teamed up with us and and saw the need for um, some financial assistance for the rare disease community, um, specifically for pursuing these educational pursuits that our community has. It's just been an absolute pleasure to work on this program. Uh, There's a huge need for it and we're really excited to do this for the second year. The scholarship is pretty unique. Unlike some other scholarships that uh, are available for the rare disease community, this is available to anyone who is ages 17 or older, is a resident of the United States, and is someone who has been diagnosed with a rare disease. And that's basically all you need to be eligible for this specific scholarship. Pretty unique in the way that it's not disease specific, there's no upper age limit, again, it's just 17 and older. It's also not degree specific. So you do not, even though Every Life is a public policy organization, you do not need to be pursuing a public policy degree. It can be anything that you have an aspiration. It can be nursing, like we'll hear from Veronica in a little bit. It could be be public policy. That's great. It could also be a photography class. It doesn't even have to be a four-year or two-year college. It can be an accredited one-time class. That's what we're talking about here. So it's extremely exciting, and I'm so glad. I just want to broadcast about this scholarship all day, every day.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad we're able to have you on to talk about it. And uh, you know, one other reason I'm I'm actually glad we're able to discuss this today actually relates to another recent episode we recorded. We had Annie Kennedy from Every Life on the show back in February to discuss. Uh, the Economic Burden of Rare Disease Study. Uh, Lindsay, would you mind expanding a little further about why it is so important for people who are living with rare conditions to uh, receive support in their educational goals?
2: As you know, anyone who's familiar and have kind of walked the diagnostic journey um, and knows a little bit about rare disease, it is not a one impact financial thing we've got going on. Uh, you are impacted in significant ways it is yes hospital fees it is yes your treatment Um, it's also how you have to modify your home or how you had to take a pause on your educational pursuits because you were sick or you had someone in your family who was sick that you needed to take some absentee time from your your job or your school or whatever it is right like there's all these variables that come into play when you're a person or have a family member living with a rare disease. So where is scholarship is just tackling, trying to tackle one of those buckets. Since I work in patient engagement, I get a lot of the patient inquiries that come in. I get all, I see all the emails, I see what's coming in. A majority of time it's patients asking for some sort of financial support. And a lot of the time, that, it, that does relate to educational pursuits. So that's what we're here to help.
0: Um, and, and Veronica, you were one of the scholarship recipients in 2020. Um, to start with, would you mind giving us a little background about yourself and your experiences as someone living with a rare condition?
1: Sure. Um, first of all, I just want to say how thankful I am and grateful that I am that I was chosen as one of the, the recipients. Um, I actually have multiple diagnoses that um, have made life a challenge for me. I have Crohn's disease. So kind of expanding upon what we were talking about with, uh, financial burden of that, um, you know, missing work. Um, sometimes, you know, I, I, work per diem a lot, so I don't get paid days off and whatnot. So going back to school for me was, um, a really difficult thing to do because I am an older returner to school. Um, I, 49 now, but I went back to school to get my prerequisites to become a nurse, um, when I was 43. And, um, and that was really, really hard to do financially because I had been a lactation consultant for 15 years, like I said, working per diem and my job was never stable. And, and actually the way that I lost my job was because of being sick too much. And so, you know, one of those things, um, could just lead a spiral into life, but it also kind of ramped up my energy for advocacy for health. And that's how I found myself going to nursing school, just to, to be able to walk with people through their own disease processes. And, um, in the middle of nursing school, I found out that I had a, um, rare disease. It was just kind of a fluke thing that happened. Um, right before I started nursing school, I had a hysterectomy for fibroid tumors in my, in my uterus. Those fibroids called leomyomas um, can become metastatic, which um, most people think of anything that's metastatic is cancerous. And there are a few um, types of tumors that can become metastatic that are not cancerous. And this particular one can, even though it's very, very rare. Um, But most of the times when those leomyomas travel, they go either to the esophagus or to the lungs. Um, Mine just happened to decide to settle into my heart. That necessitated a full um, (laughs) open heart surgery, um, right smack dab in the middle of my schooling. And I had to take Mm. a a semester off and um, life just got Incredibly chaotic from that point on, and Mm -hmm. uh, what I found out is, I think I'm like the third person in recorded history that had this particular um, leomyoma in the heart.
0: That's a lot to go through, right? In the middle of seeking a degree, too.
1: Yeah, it it was definitely. um, It actually, it, it was funny. I was having an anxiety attack because it was the first time I was going through something so stressful. That anxiety attack sent me to the hospital they found out that I had like really, really low heart rate um, called bradycardia um, and a heart murmur. And they're like, you know, you should go see a a cardiologist about this. And I'm like, I've had this for a long time. It was nothing, but I was also the same age that my brother was um, when he died of a heart attack. So he was 46 years old Mm -hmm. Um, and I was 46 years old. And I was like, yeah, maybe I should go just check it everything out. You know, I don't know what's going on with me. And I had a really great cardiologist who said, you know, just because of your family history, even though you seem really healthy, let's just do an echocardiogram just to establish a baseline. And when we had the echocardiogram, the ultrasonographer stopped and she says, I need to go talk to the doctor. And I went, Oh shoot, what's going on? (laughs) I I know this is when they stop in the middle of the test and have to go talk to the doctor, there's always something wrong. So that's where we found out that I had a, a, giant mass in my tricuspid valve in my heart. Um, And they got very scared because that's right underneath your um, pulmonary valve. And if something breaks off, it can go into the pulmonary valve and cause an embolism and you can stop breathing. And so um, they sent me to the hospital immediately and uh, started doing all kinds of uh, tests on me. And it was about six months before I found out that it was actually a, a, a tumor and not a blood clot or, you know, some type of bacterial endocarditis or anything like that. It was just, you know, I had to go through a process.
0: Uh, and you said previously, Veronica, you were a lactation consultant and, and an advocate in that space. And, you know, now you're, you're currently finishing up your nursing degree in May correct? That's when you're going to be. Yeah. So congratulations on your imminent graduation. Thank you. Uh, um, I was wondering, you, you said earlier that uh, you were, you know, looking forward to being able to walk with people through their, their diagnosis process as a nurse. Can you speak a little bit about that, about what has inspired you in your nursing education?
1: Absolutely. I, I told you guys about Crohn's disease. I told you guys about the leiomyoma, but I also have ankylosing spondylitis. I have cold urticaria. I have a lot of things and a lot of like weird things that people like don't even know about, and weird allergies and and you know just things that that are kind of off the beaten path. And um, like I said with the whole leiomyoma thing, it, it took some time before they they diagnosed me. And so one of the things that I think that I bring to the table as a future nurse is the fact that as these people are going through their, their processes of trying to figure out what the heck they're, you know, they're going through is just to kind of help them figure out which road to go down diagnostically. And maybe advocate for the doctor to go ahead and, you know, did you look at this possibility? I mean, I even had my, my cardiothoracic surgeon when he called me and he said, oh yeah, you know, they said it was a leomyoma from the pathology and, you know, we had to send it out to them to go do an extra pathology because they were like, wait, how is this a you know, in your heart that's from your uterus? Um, And so my doctor even said, I don't think it's that. And I'm going, well, you have two pathologies confirming it. How Mm -hmm. can you discount that? Mm -hmm. And I can almost guarantee you that because he doesn't believe that it's really that, he probably has not written it up. And it's probably, you know, there might be more than three people out there that have had a leomyoma in their heart. But because either the medical community is in disbelief or, um, or it's just too weird for them to wrap their heads around. They don't want to walk that walk. So for me being a nurse and maybe even, you know, going further in my education, it's, it's walking that walk with that person going like, yeah, you know, there could be something really weird going on with you. Listen to your body, listen to yourself and and advocate for yourself. And I want to help them do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like with your experiences, you kind of want to be that voice in the room for people.
1: Oh, Absolutely.
0: Can you talk a little bit about, uh, how the rarest scholarship was able to help you in your educational goals?
1: Sure. Um, everything got kind of halted, um, when I first started going to the doctor, um, you know, when I had that, uh experience with the anxiety attack and all of that. Um, I was hospitalized after my echocardiogram. Um, I was not allowed to do anything. Um, so I kind of put working kind of on the back burner. And in that whole series of of what was going on, I was also in the process of losing my home. Um, we were going through a great financial burden at that time because of all of my hospital bills, doctor mm-hmm. bills. Um, can't work, going through school, and just it was just getting to a point where I I just couldn't even breathe anymore when it came to the bills. One of our uh, people in our in our program sent out an email saying, "Oh, there's this uh, the scholarship for something completely different. It was a local scholarship, but you had to go through the Scholarship America." forum to sign up for that scholarship. And as I was signing up for that scholarship, I thought, oh, what the heck, I'm just going to go ahead and look for other scholarships that I might qualify for. And um, the only other one that, that was on Scholarship America at that time said, hashtag rare is, and I was like, oh, what is this? And I just happened to look because the, the title was catchy. Uh And as I started reading the requirements, I thought, oh, my God, this is so me. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) this speaks to me even more than the other scholarship spoke to me. Um, So I went ahead and um, lo and behold, they selected me, thankfully.
0: Lindsay, you mentioned earlier uh, this scholarship is not disease-specific or even specific to a certain type of study. So it's really open in that regard. Um, let's go over some of the specifics of the Rare scholarship for people who may be interested. Uh, what does the application process look like?
2: Sure. Also, Veronica brought up a really good point um, because it all starts with going to rarescholarship.org. So start there, read a little bit up on it. And once you push apply, you will then go to the Scholarship America page to create a profile. That's really quick. It's just some contact information. And then Scholarship America will populate all of the scholarships that you are eligible for. One of which will most likely be rare is scholarship. Um, And it also is really beneficial because you will also find out if you can apply for other scholarships at that point in time click on the where is scholarship. And then that's when you actually start that application. If you want to prepare beforehand, you can work on your 2000 character essay, which is on this year. We changed it up a little from last year um, because you can reapply. Pardon. So the essay is on the topic, how would the scholarship help you become a rare disease leader? So you could start working on that today if you wanted to. uh, And then other eligibility is just, you have to be a rare disease patient, which is verified through the diagnostic verification form, which is again available on rarescholarship.org, or you will also find it when you start to fill up the application. Uh, US residency, 17 and older, again, no upper age limit. And you are planned to be enrolled or already enrolled in an accredited uh, educational institution. So that does not necessarily have just limited to part-time or full-time college or university. Again, it can be an accredited class, classes, or single course.
0: And how many recipients are there and what's what is the funding um, amount?
2: Uh, so this year we are able to offer 35 scholarships and they're each for 5000 each. That money goes to support tuition fees for fall semester 2021.
0: And as you mentioned, uh, it it is open for application, even if you have previously applied. So for the 2020, if you have applied then, you can reapply for for this particular scholarship as well. Um, You mentioned they just opened today, April 1st, for the fall 2021 semester. And what is the deadline for the scholarship? And when will recipients be announced?
2: Deadline is May 7th. Don't wait till the last day. (laughs) Get your applications in now. Uh, Let's see, recipients will be notified by June, whether you are receiving it or not. So you'll be notified by June. And then again, uh, this is to support your fall semester courses. So money should be sent to your school in August.
0: And Veronica, as you know, a previous recipient, uh, do you have any advice for people who who may be hesitant about applying? You know, maybe they're in in your shoes where they're thinking about going back to school, but they're not sure if that's the right fit for them, um, or maybe they're a new student. But um, what what advice can you give to people who might be interested in applying for this?
1: I think a lot of people are put off by having to write the essay and um knowing what to say or not wanting to sound too showy or not wanting to brag or not you know all those things and quite honestly just put it all out there. Um when it comes to writing your essay, absolutely just I mean, you kind of vomit your story onto the I say the page, but onto the screen. Um, and one of the beautiful things about my school is we have a writing center. And um, I sent my essay over to the writing center and had them look it over before I turned it in. So um, I did that so that I could make sure that it, it hit all the bullets that they were asking for. Um, I had to kind of rewrite it a couple of times, um, but I'm a little anal when it comes to <laughs> doing things right, you know? Um, and so for me, you know, just kind of putting it all out there is, um, you know, don't be afraid to put your story out there, especially with somebody like me. I want my story out there. If it, if it helps just one person, um, I want to make sure that that my story gets out here. And, and that's why I'm doing this podcast is because maybe somebody else will be in my shoes and will need to do the same type of thing and they, they will be inspired by this. Um, the other thing that you were talking about, Colby, is ask, you, know, you asked me about returning to school. Um, it was a very scary prospect for me to go back to school at 43 years old. As a matter of fact, my older son was going off to college and um, that was actually my, my big catalyst that prompted me to go back to school because as he was leaving for school, he said, mom, I know that you've wanted to do this, you know, and, and you've put this off all this time for us. And I get weepy, I'm sorry, but, Mm -hmm. um, but he said, it's your time now, mom, you go back and do it. And, um, I apologize. He was my inspiration and, um, and he's, you know, he's since finished his degree and I'm still going, um, but it's been it's been wonderful and i can see how proud he is of me and i have a younger son who's in high school and i see how proud he is of me as well and he keeps saying go mom and you know and and i know that i'm inspiring him as i go through this as well so it's kind of that that full circle thing where you're like okay not a, only am i inspiring my future patients but i'm also inspiring my kids
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I've actually inspired myself through all of that. I never thought I could do it. Mm-hmm. And I, and I have, so don't be afraid to take those chances.
0: That's great to hear. It sounds like you've got a lot of good support in your life as well. Yeah,
1: I, I do. I do.
0: Lindsay, um, do you have any stories about any of the other, other students? I know we've got Veronica's story here, which is so inspirational, but what other sorts of pursuits have students used the rarest scholarship for?
2: It's really a huge range. Cause again, we've, uh, Every Life and Horizon really wanted to make this as accessible of a scholarship as we possibly could. So it's people taking photography classes. It's people taking sign language classes. There's people taking four-year college and pursuing public policy degrees. And it's everything. <laughs> and also, I what I love about Veronica's story is we've got someone from the community who's pursuing something where representation matters. It is so important to get rare disease patients in those kind of leadership roles. For example, nurse who's working hands-on with patients and helping them walk through that process. And to have someone who can understand that and relate to that is meaningful.
1: You know, when I first met Lindsay, and we first spoke, um, she said, you know, are you interested in, you know, doing any advocacy? And I said, you know, right now I don't have a lot of time. I don't even have time to come up for air at times, but send me the information because I've worked in advocacy these past 15 years as a lactation consultant for health, you know, um, and, and so To me, advocacy for health is incredibly important. That's actually where I kind of want to steer my nursing career at some point in time in my life is, you know, once I end up in grad school at some point, I'll be 60 probably, but you know, who cares um, as long as I do it, you know, and to me advocating for people who either don't have the health literacy to speak up for themselves or don't know who to go to. Who to turn to, or just really don't don't have the voice, don't have it in them to to be that voice, but know that they want to have a voice. That's so important. And, and I think that being involved in this whole scholarship has just given me that new, that new fire um, to just, you know, broaden my advocacy and not just in the lactation community, but you know, farther, farther reach.
0: That's great to hear. And it sounds like you're, you're well on your way too.
1: I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: are. All right. And cool. Lindsay, uh, one more time, uh, if people are interested in applying for the rare is scholarship, where can they find more information?
2: Head over to rare scholarship.org to start your application today. Deadline is May 7th.
0: And we'll also have a link to that website in the show notes for this episode. If you need the reference for it later. And uh, I just wanted to close by saying, Lindsay, Veronica, thank you again for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you, Colby. We really appreciate you having us.
2: Absolutely. Always a pleasure, Colby. Thank you. And Veronica, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Okay.
0: And for our listeners, if you'd like to check up on the latest in rare disease news, you can always do so by visiting patientworthy.com at any time. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram by searching for PatientWorthy on those platforms. And once again, a big shout out to listeners who've been le- leaving reviews and comments on their favorite podcast platforms. It really does go a long way. And as always, thank you for listening.